Hello and welcome to my show Conversation with Priya. I'm your host Priya Mishra. Today is our guest Alan Stevens. Alan is a board member of several non-profit organization and community group including Soft Life Saving. He has picked up health and business and life experience. Taking that experience and knowledge, he helped people build a strong relationship in all areas of their life, whether that be a new business and increasing conversation rate, sales revenue, and improved negotiation skills, or in a personal relationship through raising and teaching children. His psychometric angle is very interesting to listen for. So I'm so looking forward to talk to Alan and Steven today. Help me to welcome in our show, Conversation with Priya, Alan and Steven. I'm your host, Priya Mishra. Hello, Ellen, and thank you for joining in my show conversation with Priya. I, it is an honor and pleasure to have you. We've been trying for a couple of time, but it didn't work out earlier. But thank you for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. I've been looking forward to having a chat with you. As you said, we keep missing each other, but uh, finally we've got our uh, calendars to match. Yeah, great, great. So uh, I have been doing discussion for over more than a year, I, I think. And um, I really, it really interests me your profile, the way you actually help people and take their angles in, in all aspects, you know, negotiation, sales and personal life mm -hmm. as well. I would like to ask you how this whole journey started in this area. Oh, it started because, like most people, we get into things because we have a need for it. I was lousy at reading people. Right. I, um, started out with, uh, first of all, in uh, my employment, I was working with uh, telecom back when it became, well, originally the Postmaster General's Department, then became telecom. And uh, I was put in charge of men who were older, older than me. So my okay. second in charge was 38 and I was 23. So. Mm -hmm having to understand and get to know them. And I've been pretty much a loner uh, leading up to that, spent most of my time just with my pets more than anything oh. else. So I didn't really have any people skills. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a big learning curve for me. Then in my um, uh, mid thirties, I joined a surf club and uh, they taught me to being a patrol captain mm -hmm. because I'd been uh, running teams for some period of time. And they gave me everybody that nobody else wanted. So what they wanted was a dumping ground. But right. I turned that into the patrol of the year. So it was a case of really getting to taking all the skills I've been able to learn while I was working with the men who were older than me yeah. and apply that to our teams that were of all ages. And uh, we became the patrol of the year. Wow. And so that then uh, got me to become the club captain. Mm -hmm. And being the club captain, now I'm uh, in charge of everything. Same age as most of the others on the committee. But as I pointed out, they've been there since young kids. And right. nippers and uh, I'd only been there five minutes and I went well sorry guys you put me in charge and uh, <laughs> we took the club from 40 active members to about 120 active members in three years wow and so that was getting the people who should have been on patrol who weren't patrolling we got them mm -hmm. on plus all new members and uh, in my late 30s my first wife left and I had three boys to raise on my own mm, so okay. I was four, 11 and 12 so now as a parent you know, as a father, as a single parent, I was out of my depth. So it was from being the youngest in employment to the least experienced in the surf club. Right. Being out of my depth in that, uh, uh, raising the boys. But where it really kicked in for me was my second marriage. It was only a short one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just realised that my ability to read people was still nowhere near where it should have been. And that's what uh, led me into doing because I thought, right, I'm not going through another relationship like this. I've um, 
need to be able to understand where people are really really coming from. Right. Not so much to manipulate them, but to build stronger relationships with them. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And, you know, um, people always talk about necessity is the, you know, invention Mm. journey. So, yeah, it's a, it is the necessity for you, but it is so necessity for everyone else as well. May, it's not just your relationship. It, many relationship is actually breaking because they don't understand each other. They can't read each other. Or That's if it. they can, they don't mm. pay attention to that. That's another ability people should have. And mm. I remember you have been teaching people that knowing is not enough. You know, you need to pay what you are reading as well, mm. attention to that. So the detail level you bring in, it's interesting angle. So most of the speakers or coaches tell us about, you know, because of their experiences, they become who they are now. For you, what are the experiences that help shapes that become a shout after profile and communication specialist for, of today? Well, it was all of those experiences sort of molded me along there. I've um, been a massage therapist. I've been in just about every industry you can think of since... Um, having left uh, telecom after 23 years. Right. And I realised that in all those different industries, I was learning more about people along the way. I've been, a, uh, after my second divorce, I actually became a, um, a lifeline counsellor. Right. And I did that training because my life was absolute rubbish. I had no direction. I was totally lost in everything else. So I did the training to be able to understand myself more. Right. Once I've been through the training, Mm-hmm. They saw the potential and uh, asked me to be a, a, a counsellor. Mm-hmm. And so I moved into that role uh, with that. So it was, it's always the events in our life that drive us through to where we, we're going to next. So it's always on necessity. It's all on experience. It's where we feel that we've got a, a need in a lot of yeah. cases. Yeah. We look at it, the number of life coaches out there. There's a large number of them. Uh, and it's a fast-growing industry. And a lot of those uh, coaches get into it because they've got to sort their lives out. That's why they get into it. And then they want to go and help other people as well. Right. Yeah. Of course. Like unless you, and plus also not only that, when you are going into that kind of life coaching, you know, it's, it's a self life coaching. You actually choose the pathway you choose. That's it. You can learn by experience. Right. Exactly. So you, can, you choose that path. People say you can learn only by experience or by books, but you know, your book knowledge should also be somewhere experienced so that you can implement it. You can, you can test it, the water in that sense. So mm-hmm. yeah, very, very interesting. So yeah, as well, a, yeah, yes, yes, please. I was going to say that uh, when it comes to books are important, there's a lot of knowledge in those, but until you apply that knowledge, it it's worthless. It's totally worthless. I've got, hundreds of books down in my library downstairs. Yes. And in there, there's a wealth of information and knowledge. But while it's sitting there, it's worthless. It's when you put it into practice and you actually apply it. Right. It's knowledge plus your experience that then creates wisdom. Knowledge is not wisdom. It's just knowledge and that's all it is. Right, right. And as a specialist in international profile and communication, what is good communication to you? Like, you know, many people are actually missing that communication and there is a lot of things happening because of communication gap, whether it is a professional life or a personal life. So how do you actually, what is your good communication to you? A lot of people are just trying to get their message across to the other person. So the focus is inward. It's all about themselves. 
yeah. I realized that, well, if we're listening to a, a radio station, we have to tune our, trans, our receiver into the transmitter of the radio station because we know what the transmitter is transmitting at. Right. And everybody who wants to listen to it, the common thing is the transmitter, so we have to then uh, tune into it. Okay. However, when we're communicating, it's the other way around. It's the transmitter's job to, to understand what frequency the receiver is on because mm -hmm. when we listen to a radio station, we want to listen to it. Right. When we're communicating with somebody, we want to get our message across. They don't necessarily want to hear us. So we have to understand how they take that information in, what right. form it needs to be in and everything else. And when we do that, we put our focus on them. Mm -hmm. And the more that we're doing that, we start to understand them at a deeper level. We know how to frame our words, how to put it together in a way in which they're going to understand it. And that's right. where true communication comes in. It's knowing ourselves first of all, how I like to be spoken to, recognizing the other person and how they like to be spoken to, and then changing yeah. for that one person, changing the way that I speak to match the way that they want to speak. Right. I could have a hundred people in the room and because I can profile them on the spot, I can change my language with each one of them all the way through the conversation and all of them will think that I'm really just talking to them. Right. Right, right. So, and uh, that's very interesting. The, I, that brings me my question to profiling. You know, when you profile people, do you, I mean, you consider there, of course, there are um, wordings and uh, do you consider all other aspects like body language because it's communication. That's In it. communication, it's not one way. Communication means it's always two way, right? Mm -hmm. So, how do you observe that profiling, including their body language, and if 10 of people are sitting there, how do you observe that? Well, I realized through all the different areas I've worked in, after leaving telecom, I was a massage therapist, aromatherapist, my Reiki masters, I've got my NLP masters, um, I've worked with sound therapies, color therapies, you name it, I've pretty much worked with it. Because I realized that through life, the most important thing I'll ever learn is the next thing I learn after I think I know everything. So that was stage one. So once I understood that, it was then to learn and realize that one thing on its own is never going to be the solution. Right. You know, if, you're, if you're building a house, you don't have a toolkit that just has a hammer in there. Yeah. You've got all the other tools that you need as well. And that's mm -hmm. why I look at all the different therapies and different systems out there. And so I realized that to communicate with somebody, I needed to understand where they're coming from, first of all. Right. You know, I know that looking at micro expressions, the little twitches on the face, mm -hmm. in all the CSI shows, the lie to me shows, all that sort of stuff, it's all sexy stuff, but it's it's about uh, catching people out for lies. Mm -hmm. I want I use that, but I use it as a truth seeker. Right. And to use it as a truth seeker, I need to get a baseline first of all of the person. Mm -hmm. So I I used to use psychometric profiling where we ask people questions like DISC and Myers Briggs and all those things. But I realize that when you ask people questions, they mm. will try and second guess what you're asking. And mm. you may not get an accurate answer. And if you don't have the skills to read that, mm. then you take what they've told you as being true and therefore you're going down the wrong line. Right. Because right. those things are affected by emotions. They're affected by your education level, gender, culture, all of those issues come in. Mm. So I needed something that would give me a firm basis, regardless of who I was uh, talking to, to benchline, to understand, get a foundation of their personalities. And the way I did that was I found that your facial features, and if you think about it, you lift weights, you're going to build muscles in your body. 
We also know that everything we feel inside, we express outwardly. So if you think in a certain way and concentrate like this, you'll pull expressions on your face while you're working. And if you do that over and over again, you build ridges and crevices on your face that give away your personality. Right. So now if I can see you, whether that be live or even from your photographs. Right, right. And I can then know your personality. Then I know where I fit on the world scale. I can see where you fit on the world scale. And I know how much information to give you or how much information not to give you, what structure to give it to you in. Right. But then I can communicate with you in the way that you want to be spoken to. Then I use the body language and the micro expressions to get the feedback of, have I read you right? Is there something going on emotionally with you? And right. here at the far end, are you telling me the truth when you're talking to me? <laughs> so it's a number of different modalities I brought together. I've picked up the micro expressions from uh, Paul Ekman or the Paul Ekman group. Paul was a guy who did all the research on little twitches on the face, the micro expressions they call them. When something happens or is set around you, we unconsciously respond. And then our conscious mind steps in because it might be something we see out the corner of our eye. We go, oh, surprise. We realize then it's not a snake rolled up at our feet. It's a, it's a hose. Right. And so our expression changes. That yeah. little time when we react is a micro expression. So I use that as being able to read the person, but the facial features tell me the personality. And I couldn't understand why he and the other people who did the micro, the facial features yeah. weren't doing what each other were doing and bring it together. Ah. So I created rapid trait profiling by going, right, facial features tell me the personality. I then changed the language. This is where the NLP and things can come into it. Mm -hmm. And then I got the feedback of the body language and expressions that now tell me whether I've read them right. And uh, that's where rapid trait profiling came from. Yeah. I mean, we, I remember offline, we, we did a couple of times in a couple of different events we met and you did some profiling and we questioned them as well. And they were very interestingly quite correct, you know, and it was, a, it was just a fun way we were doing at that time, not very seriously. So I can imagine how it will be effective when you'll be doing actually in a serious mood for reading for the reading sake, you know. Yeah, well, I'll give you an example. I had a, um, uh, a lady ask me to profile her son just recently, 17 years old, doesn't mm -hmm. know what he wants to do. He's still at school, but he's doing some work experience and having some issues with uh, some of the areas he's going into because they're not really seen as the traditional places for men to work in, but right. are areas where um, uh, men should be working in. Yeah. And uh, the end result was I profiled him from his photographs. Mm hmm there are five photographs that I asked her to take. The, I've had a couple of conversations with her and her son. They've mm -hmm. agreed. They've said everything that I said in the audio uh, report that I gave him was spot on. Right. He's understood why he does some of the things he does, which is improving his relationship, not only with his mother, but also his father. Right. And uh, at the end of the day, once you know why you, you, know, you don't understand your personality, you know why you do the things that you do. Mm -hmm. And you know that your behaviours are not you. It doesn't describe who you are. It's just an aspect of you. And if you understand what triggers you, then you can change the, the environment around you so you don't get triggered. Right. And you can focus on where the strengths are that you have. Because every trait has an upside and every trait has a downside. Yeah. The upsides are our strength. The downside is where we get challenged. Right. Get up our environment so we don't get challenged. We have a happier life. And right. that's what's happened to their relationship. Yeah, I mean, see, most of the things upset you because you didn't don't want it to be the surrounded by the unwanted thing, you know. That's it. Um, otherwise, there is nothing wrong, you know, 
in a normal routine, if you're going through, if things are smooth, unwanted things actually disturbs. And then mm. your whole day goes different ways and it becomes the practice slowly. And then, you know, you think that this is something wrong with me or something wrong with my environment. Mm. And then you start blaming and a whole lot of things are that start. So it's very important to know that aspect, mm. isn't it? That's it. Because if you know which traits are causing that trigger, then because what actually happens is they get triggered. We respond to it and get all emotional about it. But if we can recognize it before we get emotional about it, that that's our, that one of our traits being triggered. Mm. We, instead of our traits controlling us, we then take, as they say, dominion over our traits. Yes. We set our environment up. So we go, oh, I can see that going to happen. I've got a couple of traits which are real doozies. They're great for finding errors in documents and things like that. Yeah. But on the emotional side, yes, I can, I can see why I've been through so many relationships. It's one of my traits. And if I feel that, I'm starting to get that feeling again about the partner I'm with. I go, <laughs> yeah, I know where that's coming from. <laughs> I can deal with that. Yeah. And if it's not that, then I know it is the other person. But I look at myself first as being the trigger. Mm -hmm. I look at what, am I, what one of my traits has been triggered here. Right. Is there a trait being triggered? Then deal with it. If there's not, then okay. I can then look at the other person as being you know, the reason why I'm feeling that way. And I go, right, time to move away. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this profiling aspect will be very helpful for the conflict management. You know, that's, it's mm. a chapter in management, but they do not teach you how to do the profile before you react to that conflict and how, what action you do, you know. It's, so it's, mm. there is no, it's like a parenting. There is no rule book for that, you know. Um, but people said, oh, learn how to do the conflict management, but they don't know how. It's like mm. people teaching focus, but nobody teaches you how to focus. <laughs> you yeah. well, see, it usually comes down to the fact that, you know, conflict comes from the, uh, the where we don't understand each other. Yeah. And so this is where the major issues come in. Mm -hmm. You know, they say that, uh, you know, as parents, we don't have, uh, our kids don't come with a manual. Our relationships don't come with a manual. And I go, well, they do. <laughs> the other person's face is the manual. It's a roadmap of how they like to think and process. Mm -hmm. So if we know that, we know why we, we need to connect with them. So if you've got somebody who's got, is analytical and okay. their partner just wants the overview, the end result is the analytical ones going to, they need a lot of information before they make a decision. So they're going to give a lot of information to their partner and the partner is going to switch off because it's far too much information. Right. And they keep, but you're not listening to me. The other person is going, but I'm hearing all of this. But what they're doing is they're filtering stuff out. If they go, oh, I know my partner just wants the big picture, the overview, yeah. and they can give them the overview and say, look, I'll give you the overview, but then you ask the questions that you want to ask. But if there's something after that you need to know, then it's all right if I tell you that then. Getting verbal agreements, having turning the where that analytical person sounds like they're nagging, mm. you turn that into a conversation. Then mm. you remove the conflict immediately. Right. Right. Just by realizing how do they like to take information in? How do I need to change from the way I need to take it in to match the way that they need to receive it? Mm. And when you do that, the other person straight away starts to feel a connection because you're communicating with them in the way that they need to be communicated to. Right. And I think this technique can be very useful. I mean, of course, personal life, it will be helpful, but I'm just saying this is this can be a very useful um, in professional environment to build a healthy environment for mm. people to work for, you know, That's and it. it will, mm. yeah, 
the healthy environment start. will actually lead, lead you to the more productivity, more happier people. Mm. The retainer model will work towards it. They are so much associated with it. Yeah, you know, well, everything's connected. Just see if you look at it straight from the position of when you're at school, before you pick your final subjects, and this is where one of the reasons I'm trying to get into schools as well as industries and businesses and you know, families and all the rest, is that if the child knows what, um, uh, where their strengths are, they can then find the subjects that will fit those strengths, which will lead on to the career that they go into. So when they uh, decide to go to university, they're not going to be like so many kids who do a university degree and then never use it. Right. Or go into a job. I have to go. I've done my accountancy uh, degree, but now I'm going to go in to become an accountant. I don't want to, but they do it because they've spent so much on the uh, uh, the training, and now they've got a hex debt they've got to pay off. Right. Go into that field, and they're miserable and unhappy, which means then that they go home and they're unhappy, which means fights with their spouse, and their kids are suffering. But if we help them find the career that matches their personalities, they go into an industry, do the study they 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 enjoy. Yeah. They go into the industry they enjoy. If they're happy in their work, they're more productive because we know when people are unhappy, their performance drops at least 30%. Yes. If they feel like they're being bullied at work because they're just not getting on with the managers and don't have an understanding there, they feel that their performance will drop 70%. And those that watch them being miserable in the work, their performance will drop 40%. And right. so you realise there's a lot of lost productivity because they're happy in their work. They're going to be working at their best level. The management then can go and work on the business because they've got people in the business who are working in the business. Right. They're happier at work. They're happier at home. They're happier with their kids. This is why, as you see, relationships are the foundation of everything we do in life. Right. And this stuff fits into every area. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I've been told a lot of time when I was doing my management courses and leadership programs during corporate days, been told a lot of time that, you know, you should know how to switch on and switch off from the, your, you know, personal life to the professional life. And I've been telling, and my argument was always like that. I'm not a split personality. I'm, I am who I am. Right. So if something is bothering me at my home or at my office, it is going to actually reflect workplace, you know? Yeah. See, I laugh but, every time I hear that because those people have no idea of the human nature and everything because you know those same people will tell you that when you're selling to somebody go into the emotions because we're 80 percent emotions or 82 percent emotions and only 18 percent logic right well to be able to switch off is logic but we're emotional if we're mostly emotional then stuff that's happening at home you're going to take it to work and vice versa right and that's why this stuff cycles around it, you're miserable at work, you're going to go home and be, be miserable at home. You're miserable at home, you're going to go back to the work and be even more yeah. miserable there. And it spirals yeah. it now down the gurgler, so to speak, yeah. Yeah. into depression and uh, you know attempted suicides and other things. Yeah, you know, We've got six men every week, every day, I should say. Mm. Eight people a, a day commit suicide in Australia. Two of them women and six of them male. Right. And so, you know, once we start changing the way that we communicate with each other and realise that, building relationships and mm. understanding and proper communication is a solution to all of that. We can keep pouring money into all the different charities, but the charities are growing simply because we're not dealing with the root causes. Right, right, right. And I've, I mean, it's of course that you can't, I mean, many people are not good at hiding the emotions. You can read their faces straight away. Anybody can read. And some people are like very good at that. And I feel like they are more vulnerable because they are not being noticed what's going on in their head. You know, and uh, as you mentioned, there are a lot of suicide cases happen and especially men's are actually grow, growing great is there. And it's very, 
very alarming and very disturbing. You know, people think that they are very strong, but, you know, expect them actually. That's how society is built, you know. Well, men for a long time were told to toughen up and everything else, you know, keep your emotions to yourself. Uh, and when they say that men aren't emotional, my God, we are extremely emotional. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the number of suicides that are happening <laughs> because that's purely emotional. Yeah. You know, I run the Campfire Project and men and women both coming in there and telling their stories about what they've been through and then getting into the panel discussion talking about important issues and uh, the women are hearing men talk in a way they've never heard them talk before. We've always had the capability, but the expectations of society and the, the rules that we put on ourselves yeah. have held us back so much. Yeah. So you know, if we change that, then uh, the real strength for anybody is in them showing their vulnerability. Yeah. That takes strength. Hiding your, uh, your your problems doesn't take any strength at all. Right, right, right. And I'm glad that nowadays these kind of a platform is available. But you know, in olden days, it was not, and it just mm. it was worse. I mean, we know the number now, but to be honest, we don't know the number even the past what happened. Now we can talk about the men are more societal than the women and whatever uh, stats we are getting right now, because we are more public, we are more aware, we have better platform, we have better analytical data and the society is also open. So, mm. you know, it's changing, but mm. it's still a long way to go. Yeah. Well, see, the internet has been a, a brilliant thing for getting all that information. Uh, we know that in 2016, it was 48% uh, of people were disengaged in their work. Another 18% were actively disengaged. In other words, whinging about it, letting everybody know. They then dragged everybody else down. So two years later in 2018, it was 87% of people were disengaged in the workplace. Yeah. Don't want to be there. So if they don't want to be there, you can imagine why they're at, when they're at home and then why we've got so many problems. And when COVID hit, and everybody's stuck inside the four walls and can't get out, but tensions and everything else uh, escalated. Right. And imagine, I mean, calculate the data and dollar value against it, you know, like oh. <laughs> every minute productivity you are losing. Imagine the burden on the company, burden on the people and burden on the society and overall economy effect, you know. Yeah. Well, if I was able to grab a fraction of a percent of the money that was wasted through all of that, I could have retired many, many years ago and had an absolutely brilliant life. It's a fortune that's been wasted. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And interesting ways to say, and I, I mean, I'm laughing, I shouldn't, but but it's it's an interesting angle to see that, you know, how much money has been wasted and people and corporate should pay attention to that and bring that in, in their corporate lifestyle. I mean, of course, there are CSR activities and all is getting into it in the corporate practice, but profiling is one of the skills people should teach and mm. teach to the every individual, the employees who are joining so that they can have a better environment and increase the productivity of everyone. Yeah, Would so you agree on that? Exactly, because if you're able to just, you know, somebody can pass me by in the street. They can come around the corner from 10 feet away from me as they go past my shoulder. I've picked up the traits that really stand out in their face and I know their personality. So once, if you're doing psychometric profiling, you've got to ask people questions. You've got to ask questions for everybody you meet. You can't do that as a salesperson or sitting down at a party and pull out a thing and say, hey, can you fill this questionnaire out? Or sit and observe them for a period of time and try and read, well, you get their emotions in the moment, but you're never going to get their true personality. But from the facial features, you can. So I can be sitting in a cafe 
And I was sitting there one day with a group of uh, women who were in the same cafe with their children. And one little boy's banging away at the table. He's in the high chair, only a very young boy. And uh, I could see his mother getting irate, you know, with him, worrying about what everybody else thought about uh, what was going on. And so I told her what I thought. I just leaned over and I said, oh, your son's got a music tray. And she said, she started to apologize. Well, no, 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 I'm not being facetious or funny. I said, this is what I do for a career. I read people and your son that's got in his face, the trait that shows he's got a gift for music. And if you stop and listen to the beating he's doing, you'll hear the rhythm in it. And she stopped and she listened. And I said, look, you know, when you go home, try different music and I guarantee he'll respond differently to the music. So you'll know what music to put on when you want to quieten him down. What music you need to put on when you want to lift his spirits up. When he gets older and he starts studying, you'll know what music he should not be playing mm -hmm. uh, to move his moods. But at the same time, what music he should be playing to help him study even better again. Because there will be some music that will help him stay focused on the work that he's doing. Wow. I said, and that could lead on to singing. It could lead on to a, a he's also got a pitch I could see as well. So that not only a gift for music, but also for the pitch, which means mm -hmm. he could be a, a musical instrument programmer, a conductor. Wow. You know, a conductor in an orchestra, he'd be able to pick out which person was out of tune or mm -hmm. out of timing. Mm -hmm. I said, there's a whole range of things. All of a sudden, she's looking at her son as though he's a prodigy mm. and her whole attitude towards him completely changed. Oh. Instead of her cowering at the table because of the noise he was making, she's sitting back with her shoulders back and her head uh, raised, didn't care about what anybody else thought and everybody else was listening to our conversation anyway. So nobody was more worried about, no one was worried about him making any noise after that point. Right. And this is the beautiful part of it. The more we understand the other person, the better yeah. the relationships and the better our lives and their lives become. Mm. Very, very interesting. I mean, you blew me away all the time when I do the conversation. <laughs> you know, I know you are a public speaker, right? You have been doing a lot of public speaking and, you know, it is very interesting to hear some of your story when you go to the public speaking and how you can read the audience and you actually derive your whole speech. Uh, would you mind touching base um, and giving some tips to the speakers if they are going? Is that okay with you? Yeah, perfectly. See, one of the things is I know that, if I may use you as, a, you as an example, I know that you love um, uh, travel. You mm -hmm. love your adventures. You like to try new things. And I can see that that's in the very pronounced cheekbones that you have. They're up high, they're out to the side. They're very you know, solid there. I also know you've got a bit of a dry sense of humour. So the conversation we have is fairly laid back. I know you're not going to take things over personally. Right. Unless I'm being direct, you know, having a shot at you. Because one of the other, this is the longer filtrum area here. Those with a very long filtrum, that little groove section between the base of the nose and the top of the lip. That's what we call a filter. And the longer that is, the more the sense of humor that person has. Right. If you have a natural turn of the corner of the mouth. Mm -hmm. That natural turn is, comes from the fact that you smile a lot. <laughs> if you smile a lot, then you're going to strengthen these muscles. They're going to get shorter and stronger. Magically, what they do is they actually pull the, the, the muscles down below the, uh, the mouth upwards. So the corner of the mouth naturally turns up when you're, you're sitting, uh, you know, not talking, yeah. just a neutral face. People who face down, they're more pessimistic. They, they frown a lot more. Mm. So they're more likely to be pessimistic about things. Yes, you'll get knocked down, but 
when something happens, but you'll get back up again fairly quickly. You'll be able to see the upside and move into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing, if you're meeting somebody for the first time, have a look at the, when you look straight at them, straight through the vertical of the uh, the pupil, imagine a vertical line. Yeah. The height of the iris, the coloured section of the eye, and would that fit beneath the eyebrow and above the eyelash itself? So have they got high set eyebrows? Mm-hmm. You've got to go through the big, that middle position because there's different shapes. Right. On yours, it's wide out to the side, but yeah. narrow on the inside. So I'm looking straight up. Right. The people who have a large gap, they need space. Don't walk up and stand real close to them because if you do, they're going to step back. Right. And you step back in again because you don't notice it. You've invaded their space. They're not going to hear a thing you're saying. They're just going to be feeling uncomfortable. Right. Okay. What I'll do is with someone like that, I'll walk up, put my hand out, greet them. And then if we're too close, I'll just turn my body slightly. So they don't need to move away because we've got this bigger gap out here. Yeah. I immediately shake hands, move back here and make them comfortable. Right. So I know they've got a really low set. Boom, they're going to be here. Interesting. And so I can know exactly how that person is. If I then set that up so they're given the right space, Hmm. as we're talking they come closer the next time they meet me they stand closer to me i know they trust me because it's not that they're not friendly they're more discerning they want to check out who's safe to be around and who's not safe to be around right right the moment they're standing closer to somebody you know that they know them and that they trust them Mm. right right there's just a couple of little traits but there's a whole lot i could tell you about your face (laughs) yeah chat offline because I want to know about me and we have been talking anyway I mean there are many topics to talk about between us and uh, interesting fact you always bring every time we talk you know I am always blown away in my head and I'm like thinking I mean how can I acquire that knowledge you know and I would be it would be interesting to see more and more corporates are actually acquiring your knowledge implementing to their employee set so that you know whole things will be changed you know one of the things is my target is to create and train my competition we need more people doing it but they have to be doing it right as we've seen with life coaches they're everywhere there's a lot of people doing it but a lot of people who haven't worked through their own stuff yet right so i want to make sure that more people are using this but they've got to be doing it right otherwise it loses its value yeah so anybody who wants to learn i'm happy to uh, have a talk to them about how they can go ahead and uh, train but I do have a free gift for all your listeners. I've got a free course, which they can um, uh, jump on and do. It will teach them how this stuff works. It'll give them a couple of traits to uh, go out and uh, test for themselves. Yeah. And it also talks about the other courses that I do as well. So they can see uh, where they can take it to from there if they enjoy that. Yeah, I remember I got that free gift and it is really valuable. So everybody should definitely do that one. And I'm pretty sure you guys will go ahead in further courses. Um, thank you so much for joining in. All your details will be given in the below. I know you are very actively participating in different social media, but especially LinkedIn. I have noticed that you are I always respond whenever I reach out to you through that. So is it okay if I will provide your LinkedIn to the description and people can reach out to you? Yeah, that would be absolutely brilliant. As I said, I want to help uh, this uh, expand and, uh, you know, as I said, create and uh, train my competition. So the more people that know about it, the better. 
Yeah, and I'm not seeing this as a competition. I'm seeing is that the necessity and requirement of a corporate, you know. Yeah. Um, well, if I train that competition, they're not my competition. They're my strategic alliance. And <laughs> once, as somebody said to me, what happens when I finish my training with you? I go, well, I hope you like me. And they go, why? I said, because you're stuck with me. Because <laughs> as I learn new things, I'll be, if, if you're really uh, focused on this and you're getting out and helping other people, you're going to get my support to make sure that you always are up to date with the most recent information. Right. So that you can be more effective yourself because otherwise I'm not doing my job right. Yeah, yeah, for sure, sure. Thank you so much for your time today. Interesting conversation. There's so much to know. I can keep going hours here, but I know you have a limited time and we also. So thank you so much for your time. We value it and uh, I'm sure audience will like it. If you haven't liked, subscribed and commented yet, please start doing it because we are bringing new story every time and Ellen uh, is bringing a lot of his story in his space. So please check out. He has done so many interviews and so much tips he has given in different groups. Please follow him on the different social media. Thank you so much for joining in. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching this video. If you liked it, and like, comment and subscribe if you haven't already done it. To know more about us, visit www.corporality.global. And also you can find more about Priya Mishra is on priya.sydney.